That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. It's about 9.25 or so in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, our guest is Congressman Andy Biggs, Republican uh, of Arizona, leader of the constitutional wing, the Freedom Caucus, uh, in the House of Representatives, and one of the rebels that I and many of you who watch this uh, show were cheering on during the uh, votes for Speaker of the House of Representatives a few weeks ago. Congressman Biggs, I know it's a busy day. Thanks for sharing your time with us. My pleasure, Judge. It's always good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, when uh, Kevin McCarthy was elected Speaker of the House of Representatives, it only happened, I think, because of agreements that he made with your group, with the more, in my view, the more uh, principled constitutional uh, Republicans in the House. Has Speaker McCarthy upheld his end of those bargains? I would say uh, I'd give him a pretty solid uh, A grade at doing that, Judge. He's, uh, you know, there's been a couple things that have been, uh, uh, you know, raggedy on the edge, but everything else by and large has been pretty solid, you know, so if I was to take an inventory of what uh, he said he would do, you know, the rules package is good. You saw evidence of it. I mean, just last week, for the first time in seven years, more than seven years, you actually had members be able to go to the floor, judge, and actually offer amendments and debate amendments. Uh, and you had, I think, somewhere 80, 100 individuals came down and offered amendments uh, from both sides of the aisle and had the debate. Um, and we and we actually voted, uh, had a lot of votes on it. And, and some okay. people were like, well, this is a waste of time. And I said, that is legislating. That is actually opening up the process. So it, it sounds like even though uh, this new procedure, which allows members the opportunity to offer amendments and actually debate the merits or the constitutionality of something on the floor, which came about by uh, your group uh, negotiating, Republicans negotiating with um, McCarthy, uh, is now being lauded by both sides of the aisle because both sides want to be able to offer amendments and both sides want to be able to debate, to debate like your friends on the Senate do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was it was really interesting because uh, Pallone, who was the guy managing the Democrat side, he was complaining that he felt like he didn't get a fair shake. And then when it was all said and done, he stood up and said, you know, we, we appreciate this because we were able to offer 60 some or whatever it was amendments and debate them. And he said, we haven't been able to do that. We're glad we were able to do it. So uh, good thing. That's a good okay. thing. OK, uh, where do you think uh, things will go with the debt ceiling? Where do Republicans want cuts to be made? What kind of negotiations did Speaker McCarthy have with the president yesterday on this subject matter? 
So I'll start with the last first because we haven't received a full report um, from Mr. McCarthy about um, how that went with this meeting with President Biden. Uh, I saw the same thing that I think everybody's seeing the reports and and he's he's saying that they can get he can work a deal. Um, but he's also said uh, some good things, you know, for for Kevin, I thought that was pretty good for him to talk about the the debt to GDP ratio being something where I think he said 120 percent, which is probably about right. And how dangerous it is um, to the to the republic for us to have that kind of debt load. Um, so so that's important. So I think he's I think he's willing to be there, and we're trying to weigh in with him and give him ideas. I mean, it, it, you got to have some ideas on how you're going to do this. Uh, you can't, it, quite frankly, uh, politically, probably even on a moral basis, you cannot. Um, um, touch Social Security or Medicare benefits. You just can't do that because promises have been made to the, these people, no, no matter what you think about those promises. So what, where you got to go is you've got to identify other places that you can reduce and freeze. Is, have- it re- is it realistic to expect the Congress of the United States of America to spend within its means? <laughs> 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 I'm well, laughing at my own question. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you know the answer to that. I mean, the, the <laughs> reality is there is. I, I truly believe there is a a a sizable. Here's the problem. It's a sizable plurality that says we should spend within our means, right? So, so we could go through and start reducing this stuff here, and freeze it. I mean, that's where you would do. You'd freeze it. But, judge, right now. Uh, I think people will be shocked by this. I know I, every time I think about it, I'm shocked by it. The, the monthly structural deficit, that is to say the amount of money this uh, federal government spends more than what it brings in, averages around $100 billion. So it's between, so in December it was $82 billion because you had a better revenue month. But it's going to be between 80 and 110 $115 billion of a deficit every month. And and so when we start talking about the debt ceiling, uh, and they won't give us the number. I have asked multiple groups, multiple people, and I've said, what is the amount of money you want to raise the debt ceiling? And, and for how long would that kick the can down the road? They all say, well, we don't know. We don't know. But the rumor is that, you know, well, DC is full of rumors, and you know this well, is that they're asking for $2.6 trillion dollars to kick the debt ceiling down can down the road for two years. Uh, and, and I'm they like, are just going to saddle future generations with so much debt. One wonders if the federal government would collapse. Right. And, and that's, that is the problem because um, you have to, you have to have realistic, a goal, a realistic goal. And um, I was talking to a guy who's, who's left Congress now, but when he came in, he said they would always tell us we're going to our budget plan is to balance within seven years. And he said, and after three years of this, and he voted for the budget every year because he said they tell me it's going to balance within seven years. So then they came to him and said, okay, now this year's budget will balance within 10 years. And he mm. said, wait, for three years, you've told me we should be balancing now within four years. It's all when you bet on the come with Congress, you will lose every time because they're, they're never going to get there. 
I've okay. actually heard people say they're going to, they want to do a, a, a balanced budget within 20 years. And I'm like, this, the, the first step is to recognize that you've got a problem. You're addicted to spending more than you have. And, and, and we actually have probably some Republicans who believe in modern monetary theory as well. You know, uh, yeah. the Democrats believe it, but I think that there's some Republicans who believe in that as well. Um, so that's where we are, Judge. I mean, uh, and so we, there's a group of us, and I've been meeting with a group of senators uh, with with some of us, and we're trying to put together a, an actual real budget plan to take this down. And when I told these guys last night, I said, the rumor I'm hearing, I just said, what are you guys hearing on the number? Because they couldn't tell me last week. I said, because the rumor, I've been out digging around, and the rumor I'm hearing is $2.6 trillion. Everybody throws up their hands. They're like, well, well, how can any of us ever support that? Boy, boy, if the House votes for that, one of my uh, viewers' messages to me and you, then there's really no difference between a Republican version of government and a Democrat version of government. If the House of Representatives votes to increase debt of that magnitude, of any magnitude. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Uh, I I found out when I came to D.C. that there really are, there are two parties in Washington, D.C. One is the cartel, and they're the ones that want to just keep spending money. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican. And then there's, there's others who want to reduce and shrink the size and scope of government. And that turns out that the vast majority belong to that first party. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The last time the budget was balanced, truly balanced, was under, of all people, Bill Clinton. That's correct. And that's when he and Al Gore, I remember this, because I was opining at Fox on the constitutionality of it, raised taxes retroactively, but they did balance the budget for about 12 months. They didn't borrow money. That's right. So I think that's 94, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, um, yes. Well, one of the reasons we, we spent so much money is waste. You pointed out yesterday, I can't believe this number, $560 billion dollars stolen from the American taxpayer under the government COVID spending. That's half a trillion. Yeah. And, and, and Judge, that's focusing on the um, unemployment insurance portion of the COVID relief package. I, I don't even think we're touching the PPP portion when we start saying that. The the amount of money on the PPP um, uh, waste and fraud and improper payments, I think is is north of eight hundred billion dollars. Oh my goodness! And so, so and here's so you you went we went from government spending of four point four trillion dollars roughly to six point five trillion dollars in about a six month period. So you were flooding, which is why you have inflation today, by the way. You devalued your currency. Um, and, and so that, that led to inflation. But, but when you flood the country, you know that the grifters and the, and the fraudsters are out there, and they're going to find a way to rake off a portion of that money. Where is the outrage over this? I mean, this is theft on such a monumental scale, it's mind-boggling. When is the last time? I mean, this isn't Iraq or Iran. When is the last time the United States government 
tolerated or ignored or failed to address, however you want to characterize it, theft of this magnitude, half a trillion. Um, outside of potentially a war scenario, I can't imagine it. But what I would say, Judge, I, I thought you were going to ask me this question. When is the last time the federal government tolerated corruption, fraud, and improper payments? And I would have told you last year and the year right. before and the year before right. that. Right. Um, well, we, we certainly are tolerating it with everything we're giving away to Ukraine. I mean, yeah. When is that going to stop? When is Joe Biden and Tony Blinken and Lloyd Austin going to realize that they made a mistake? We're not going to fight World War III. We can't and shouldn't be fighting the Russians. And every nickel we give the Ukraines just extends the death and destruction there. Well, there's no facing rationality here in Congress. I mean, there are, there are people on my side of the aisle who have said, as long as it takes and anything it takes wow. and, and you you can go to those same people and say well what does victory look like to you what does victory look like to you and they cannot describe what victory correct. looks like. correct and they so, can't say they can't say ukraine's going to get crimea back they can't say the uh, russia is going to leave the russian speaking areas of ukraine which part of which well, means, part region. of you russia know. for 300 years they can't yeah. give you that answer no, that's exactly right. And so, so when we start talking Ukraine, um, and so when you when you give M1 Abrams tanks, and I, I mean the the, the rancor of of, of the uh, uh, Hask uh, House Armed Services Committee said Biggs is Biggs doesn't know what he's talking about because we tweeted out and said there will be U.S. There's already U.S. troops on the ground. Of course, there will be U.S. troops on the ground because we have to train them. It takes ninety days to train. Um, you, you got to have support vehicles. You have to have uh, mechanics uh, and because the M1 has a jet engine for Pete's sakes. It takes highly specialized mechanics to do to do that. You, you can't just train these people in 30 days. And, say, Correct. and and so so I said there will be troops on the ground. U.S. troops on the ground. He said, I don't know what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. I went to military personnel and said, what does this mean? And they said, there will be U.S. troops on the ground. There has to be. Uh, and. And so these guys are in denial. Our mutual friend, who's a big fan of yours, Colonel Douglas McGregor, says exactly yeah. what you've just said, that particularly with respect to this tank, it, it requires as, as much personnel and expertise to repair and maintain it as it does to operate it. Now, we're That's training right. these people in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. That war is going to be over before the training is completed. And right. all the money will go down the drain. I know we have a time constraint. I want to go to one last topic because uh, you're going to stir the pot with this. Secretary Mayorkas. Yeah. What are you doing with him today? So uh, I've been int introduced articles of impeachment. I'll tell you why, Judge. Um, I really am a, be a believer in this, um, that what he has done is willful, and it is to been to destroy... Our, our boundaries, our border. And any, any, of, any view of history is if you're going to have a nation, uh, dissolution, so, so if you can, you can, there's a book called China in Disintegration. You can go look at that book. You can look at these books and these histories and these studies. And what they'll tell you is one of the first things that happens when a nation dis disintegrates, and we, we've, got, we've got three of them going right now, Judge, just so you know, is, is their border, their boundary, whether it's ancient Rome, ancient Greece, 
whether it's the the uh, the Han Dynasty in China, they, their border gets disintegrated. It is obliterated, and our southern border is obliterated. I mean, just it just is. I could, you know, I go down there often, and the cartel truly controls the border. Anybody right. coming? It, but but Secretary Mayorkas has he committed high crimes and misdemeanors, or is he just doing what his boss Joe Biden wants him to do? Because Joe thinks this will gin up his base in the Democratic Party. That's a fair question, and I've got some some of my colleagues who who we de- we debate this, and I say, look, uh, my own opinion is is if you wanted to see whether Joe Biden understands what's going on at the border and the policies that are being uh, uh, promulgated by this administration by 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 my uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, just go watch. Joe Biden and the El Paso trip he took to the border. He doesn't know what's going on in the border. Alejandro Mayorkas does know what's going on in the border. Alejandro Mayorkas is specifically told his CBP and ICE agents, do not enforce the law. Wow. Will Speaker McCarthy allow your uh, uh, offered legislation on impeaching Secretary Mayorkas to make it to the floor of the House? I think he will assign it to the Judiciary Committee, and um, just getting it on the Judiciary Committee, Judge, will be uh, an uphill battle in and of itself. Okay. Congressman Biggs, we promised we'd end at this hour. could talk to you all morning. I know you have very important work to do. It's uh, it's so gracious of you to come on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for always having me. I appreciate it, Judge. Of course. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.